You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Turn in your Bibles, if you would please, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And we're going to start with verse 1. Let's go ahead and pray first. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray you should work in my heart. Speak through me, Lord. Speak to the folks here. Because, Lord, they need to hear from you. And so, Lord, just guide this time. Take charge. Lord, that we can leave here knowing that we heard from heaven. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Now, the, this last term has been different. It's probably been different back here, too. And um, what I'm going to do is, in the message, I'll, I'll explain some things, okay? But you need to hear the word of God, too, amen? And so let's go ahead and look at this. As we look at things that take place in this world, like uh, COVID, and uh, you sit back and you wonder what's going on, what is God trying to teach me, what what am I supposed to learn from anything, I lose my job, what is God trying to teach me? You know, I find that uh, so often... Christians, they get angry first and then come back and apologize trying to figure out an answer. So let's look at this here. Now as I look at this, I see it's talking to Christians. I beseech you therefore, brethren. And then it goes on to say, by the mercies of God. Praise God for God's mercy. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, as I look at this, I see that word, those words, living sacrifice. And I realize, you know, we see the pictures of it where the priest takes the knife up, comes down on the lamb, and it's dead. And he's saying, Christian, I want you to be a living sacrifice. While you're breathing... While you're walking on this earth, I want you to be that living sacrifice. You say, preacher, how can I be a living sacrifice? You come to the Lord and say, Lord, everything I have is yours. He can do a better job with your family than you can. He can do a better job with your money than you can. He can do a better job in everything than I can. And so you come to God and say, Lord, everything, everything I have is yours. Living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable. What's acceptable unto God? Which is your, it's reasonable. This is the reasonable thing. This is what God wants from every one of us. What am I talking about here? I'm looking, talking about God leading me, the leading of God. 
I'm talking about God taking my footsteps and directing me. I'm talking about God telling me many, many, many years ago, I want you to go to the Philippines. God's leadership, amen? Now I look at this and I say, you know, I find Christians are very quick to, what do they do? They, they, they try to make excuses. They, they come and they say, God will understand what, what you're sinning. God understands that. Well, there's difficulties in my life. God understands. Let me give you a couple questions, and you answer it, and that should answer everything else when people start talking foolish like that. Question one. Does God ever cause you to sin in order to accomplish his will? Proverbs 3. What does it say there? He shall direct thy paths. Hmm. Over in Hebrews 13.5, he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hmm. When I look at those two verses alone right there, he's not going to take you contrary. He's not going to take you down a road of sin to accomplish his will. Never, never, never. Second question, does God ever lead you contrary to the Bible? Psalms 23, he leadeth me beside the still water. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness. He's not going to do anything contrary to the Bible. He's not going to lead you into sin. And so as we study this, the leading of God, we then come to verse 2. <clears throat> and be not conformed to this world. Don't act like the world. Don't talk like the world. Don't look like the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The first thing Satan wants is your mind. If he can get into that mind of yours, he's got you. And once he gets you, he maybe get your family, and then maybe he'll get that church that you're going to. But he's going to first want to get into that mind of yours. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable. Here it is. The leading of God. The perfect will of God. Hey, everybody here, that ought to be your desire. Your, what you want is for the perfect will of God. I pray it is. You say, preacher, that's, you say, that's for the, the pastor. That's for the missionary. No, it's for every born-again Christian. The perfect will of God. The perfect will of God. Go back a couple chapters. Romans 8, 28, a verse that's misused a little bit. And we know that all things work together for good, and people like to stop there. And if it's uh, if you're in sin or something like that, or if it's going your know, difficulty, everything's uh, going against you. Well, the devil, you must be of the devil and everything. But I look at that verse, and it says, "And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose." Hey, if you're if God is leading you and you're in the perfect will of God, your desire ought to be 
to do God's purpose. Everything. Place you work. I remember <clears throat> years ago I worked at this place and uh, this one employee came to me and said, you do, you do realize that the boss called the rest of us in. And he says, I'm going to tell you right now, when Brother Dion's around, you better not use God's name in vain. He's not even a Christian. Hey, your life ought to make a difference. People ought to see Christ in you. Because God is leading. The perfect will of God. You're going to do his purpose. Your purpose, not God's purpose. And so for me to look at this, as we look at this, what happens so often when we have people get sick, people get, people, somebody in the family dies, you lose that job. What happens next? Why, God? Why, God, do you start questioning God? And you start making foolish decisions moving places you shouldn't, going places you shouldn't, doing things you shouldn't, and it all started with a, why God? Why God? Let's go back in Deuteronomy for a few minutes, because I'm trying to figure out, as I look at this, what would make a person do that? And I thought, you know, we need to find a big, big, big problem. Big problem, the children of Israel went down to Egypt. At first, they're happy. We got Joseph, amen? But he died. After a while, they, nobody knew anything about the past, and before you know it, they're all slaves for almost 400 years. They're down there. They come out of Egypt, they still do things wrong and they go into the wilderness for 40 years. And that's where we pick up here in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And if anybody could probably be justified in saying, why God? It's the children of Israel. They've had gone through so much. 440 years. How long has America been a nation? Less than 440 years. And yet we have this here as an example. What we, what we have in our life when we start questioning God. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We get down here to verse 1. And we start finding an answer to why, the why God. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do. Hey, you want to you wanna have God's blessing? You want to you wanna make sure God is on your side? Obey God. So simple. It's so simple we miss it, don't we? That ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers. Hey, isn't that what they've been wanting to do? Go into the land. He's saying here, because you're not obeying is why it's taking you so long to get there. 
Why? Why God? Why God? Remember those things in your life that has happened? Why God? We come down to verse 6 here. It explains this, uh, this obedience here. Where it says, therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his way and to fear him. He said, Christian, I want you to walk in God's way and I want you to have a holy, righteous fear of God. Because that's what I want. Then we come to verse 2. Verse 2, and thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. He said, you need to remember some things. Sometimes we remember the wrong things. Verse 18, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware to thy fathers, as is this day. He says, you need to realize the goodness of God. His goodness. He gives you the power to work. He gives you the ability to work. He gives you the mind to think. He gives these things to you. He makes a covenant with you. You obey. I'll bless you. Very simple. But you have to realize... You, we're trying to find an answer to why, why people would say, why God, when difficulty comes in? I think there's a few of us that have probably been guilty, or maybe we've all been guilty, amen, when we have things happen in our life. We come to verse 7, down to 10, and he starts talking about the land. And he starts talking about how, for the Lord thy God bringeth thee into the good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains and depths of springs out of the valley and the hills. And he goes on and talks about this place they're going to, but having gotten there yet, he says you need to obey to get there. You need to remember how God gives you that power, how God made a covenant with your your fathers, and how he's going to give you that same covenant. But we get to here in 7 through 10, and he's talking about the land, and he's trying to say, why God? I'm trying to prepare you for something. He said, I have something out there very special for you, and I am trying to prepare you, to prepare you. We go back to verse 2 again. And let's look at verse 2 as we see it. Thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee. Sometimes God needs to break our pride. Sometimes God needs to allow that little difficulty to come in because your, your arrogance, your your pride is coming up. And God says, I need to break that. If you're, going to be a, if you're going to be used by me, I need to break that. I need to break that. Maybe you have to fail a test. Maybe you have to be sick. Maybe it's going to call, maybe call, uh, come about by maybe somebody in your family passing away. Maybe. 
But God does humble us when we need it. A holy fear of God. I love God. I love God. But with that comes a holy, righteous fear. And I want to do things right. I want to do what? Obey. Obey. And so he says, I need, might need to humble you. And then he goes on, and he says, to prove thee. He said, in your life, you're going to come to forks in the road. And it's going to be a test to see if you obey. Which way you go. Do you follow the devil? Do you follow God? And then he comes to that last part. To know what is in thine heart. You say, I thought he knew what's in my heart. Yes, but he's going to open it up and reveal it to everybody else. May not be a pretty picture, huh? That could break you. That could bring you down to your knees, amen? Verse 2. Why, God, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no, Hey, he's trying to prepare you to see if you are a usable servant. That's what he wants. He wants a usable servant. Many, many years ago, I was uh, in the Air Force. The Air Force thought they gave me orders. They didn't realize that God gave them the orders for me. The first set of orders I got was Colorado Springs. My wife had been raised in a Methodist church with a Baptist circuit preacher. That was different. I was raised in a Bible church, Baptistic. And so we come and we're looking at our phone book. Phone book is something they used to have, amen. And we're looking through the phone book trying to figure out a church to go to. And that afternoon, while, after we had looked for a while, we thought we had picked out a church we were going to go to. A knock came on our door and two teenage girls from an independent Baptist church stood there inviting us to church. Why did God take us to Colorado Springs? So we could get into the correct church. We started growing in the Lord, started growing the Lord. I was ready to stay there for 20 some odd years, you know. And God gave me orders for the Philippines. <laughs> my my and fellow people that I worked with, they said, oh, it's dangerous there. Oh, it's horrible. I went over there by myself because it was horrible and dangerous. I walked off base, walked back on base and called her and I said, you're coming over here. We had a chance to go with the missionaries, pastors, Filipino pastors, and little did I know we were falling in love with the place. We had a chance to go down, and this is where it starts in our hearts. I flew down to Cebu, and I visited with Bob Hughes. 
And uh, in our conversation, he mentioned, you know, I'm not a missionary. I, back then, I was a, a soldier. And he said, there's an island over there, two million people, and has no missionary. He said, we're praying for it. We're praying. God used Bob. He used him to get me going in the right direction. Even though it was going to be later on that that would come about. My next set of orders was uh, Oklahoma City, Pinker. Now, when, mind you, I was in Air Force Intelligence. There was a reason to be at NORAD, and there was a reason to be in the Philippines during the Vietnam War. We can't, couldn't figure out any logical reason why I was in Tinker, though. And God put me there to put me under Jim Vineyard. Because for what he had for me, I needed to get special training. And that's why God put me there. Hey, God didn't make a mistake in any of those things that we went through. Nothing. God made no mistake. I went to Bible college there at Oklahoma Baptist. And I found myself after a while praying. Hey, better watch out. It, I'll just give you a hint. It was the mission conference that got me. Amen? You have to watch those missionaries. God used the mission conference. The speaker was from the Philippines. And it got a hold of my heart that I was going to go there. The first place I went when I went on deputation, there was a veteran missionary there from the Philippines. He's talking to me and he says, have you considered going to Samar? What is this about Samar? Because it came back to me what Bob Hughes had said. Samar. And so I kept praying about it. God said, Romans 15, Romans 15, Romans 15, verse 20. And so I looked at this verse, prayed about this verse. It says, yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. Now, that might mean something different to you, but that day when I read this, when I was seeking the will of God, to be in the perfect will of God, God said, I want you to go where nobody else wants to go. And I said, Lord, I will go where nobody wants to go. And we started preparing to go to Eastern Samar to the Wadai people. We got to Eastern Samar and we found that we, first of all, there was no missionaries there. We found that the uh, Jesuit priest there didn't like the idea of me being there and he set up speakers and day after day, week after week, He'd yell at me and scream at me, American, go home. We don't want your gospel. Get away from us. All kind of stuff. He'd say that. I, I know Americans, Christians, that have quit for less than that. He called me a name. 
Oh, Louis. And then there was the NPA, the communists. As soon as we got a church going, they would come and sit in the back of their church with their guns. And they had orders to kill me if I said the wrong thing. Now, I, I, didn't, I didn't see that in, in Missions 101. Hey, I was there to preach Jesus, amen? I wasn't there to get involved in the politics. You say, but how did you know he was there to kill you? Because every once in a while we'd lead one to the Lord. And they'd tell us, tell me that I, they were there to kill me if, that, if I said the wrong thing. We just kept on preaching Jesus, Amen. And I'd look up and down the coast and I'd see those, all those places that didn't have any witness. And I found myself wondering, Lord, how is it you're going to deal with these people? How am I going to do this? And he gave me Matthew 10, 16. Matthew 10, 16. And this here hits home a little bit. He says... Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Has anybody been there? Hey, if you're doing anything for God, you've been there. If you're a serious soul winner, if you're a serious person that's going to live like, talk like, act like, look like a Christian, you're going to have the wolves around you. You will have them. And he says here, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents. Wise as serpents. I had privilege of talking to, like I said, Bob Hughes. I had a privilege of sitting down with uh, Lee Robertson and asking him questions and having him help me. But what I want to deal with here is when I was over in Greenville, South Carolina, I was sitting down there talking to Howard Seitler. And a couple years before he died, and he, 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 he patted his Bible, and he said, I have read this through many, 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 many times. But he said, young man, I was young then. He said, this morning when I read this book, I got something new out of it. He said, never, never neglect the Bible. That's where the wisdom comes from. That's where the truth comes from. That's where your direction comes from. Amen? The Bible. But then in verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless, harmless as doves. What's that mean, God? I'm going to be a living sacrifice. Lord, I want to be in the perfect will of God. I want you to lead me. I want to do your purpose. I want to obey. We come to this verse again, and harmless as doves. Hey, that's where I 
let God lead me, and I let God do the leading in the perfect will of God. Let God lead. Harmless as doves. Because they, when they look at you, they need to see Jesus, not you. They don't need to hear that you came back victorious. I beat that guy. Ah, ha, ha, ha. That, that cults man out there. I really put him down. Did he get saved? Well, no. Harmless as doves. And when I look at this here, it then brings me to the point where I'm at for our last time that we went to this last time in the field. This last term, it was all about one thing, COVID, COVID. Hey, did I, did I plan the COVID? I didn't plan it. Did you plan this COVID? No. Did you plan for the lockdown? I didn't plan for the lockdown. But the Filipinos took it to a new level. I, we couldn't fly out of there for a couple of years. We couldn't take any boats out. I couldn't drive across the border to the next town. They'd have armed guards there. They took lockdown to a new level. And oh, me and my wife were over 65. So we couldn't leave our house. We couldn't walk the streets. Welcome to lockdown. Hey, it was different. Now, I, I heard people. I heard, I heard them. You heard them. I know the problem. It's the politicians. It, it's the communists. They were the problem. You know what the problem was? Sin. My sin, your sin. It was back to the Garden of Eden. was sin. I look in the Old Testament and I realize, I see when the people when they go, when they did wrong God gave them bad governors bad kings. When, when the, the people of God would go the wrong direction God gave them leadership that was not good. They don't blame the leadership when you're going the, away from God. And so I'm looking at this program that we've had this, with this COVID and I see people trying to figure out the problem, trying to figure out the problem, but they don't look in their spiritual mirrors. It's sin. It's sin that causes everything. Amen? It's sin that causes people to kill people. It's sin that causes this and that. We look at this here, we see Sickness, we see a mother dying, we see these things. When you're not obeying, when you're not walking in God's way, when you do not have a holy fear of God, but instead you have a fear of man, the question why God is going to come about, okay? It will come about. The embassy gave us a choice. We could leave the Philippines if we wanted to. 
it just would be very difficult to get back. We chose to stay. But during that lockdown, can I tell you what happened during the lockdown? Our work in Tupolog, our work there in Barangan, our work there around the Philippines, our, our mission works that we started. Every, every, every week we saw people saved. So much for the victory by the devil. I think you got a black eye on that one. Every week, every week, someplace there. We saw baptisms happening. People being baptized. One man, during COVID, during lockdown, he started a church. Amen. Can't be done, can't be done. He did it, he did it. One man, uh, two men, surrendered to be missionaries. Thailand, Cambodia, <laughs> and they started their deputation during COVID. One of them got the COVID so bad he almost died. He got better, and my wife got message from him, from them, saying we're gonna go to Thailand in July. Praise God. That's what happened during COVID. Satan didn't get the victory. Amen. But you know what? You look at me and you say, once again, that's for the pastor. That's for the preacher. That's for the missionary. And I tell you, it's for the truck driver. It's for the teacher. It's for the politician. It's for the farmer. My wife's grandfather, I want to end on this here, as you summarize what you've heard. He was a farmer in upstate New York. He was the judge in that little community. But he was a man that loved the Lord. Oh, he backed the preacher up. He would be a soul winner. He would tell people about Jesus. I was on deputation, me and, me and my wife. And we got word that her grandfather was in the hospital, very sick, and he... He could not remember anything. He knew nothing. He could not talk to anybody. He did not recognize his brother. He did not recognize, I mean, his, uh, his, uh, his, his uh, son, his sons. He did not recognize his grandchildren. He didn't recognize his wife. Couldn't talk to his wife. So I, we walk into that hospital the granddaughter and this stranger that married into the family. And he looks over and he says, Dan, do you know what this hospital needs? They need to talk. Someone needs to tell them about Jesus. He knew where he was at. His mind was set on one thing. Jesus. Jesus. 
the leading of God, the perfect will of God, the farmer from upstate New York. We talked for a while, and before I left, he looked at me and said, Dan, I want you to tell somebody about Jesus here in the hospital. Praise God for the altar. I might need it here in a second. I was in a hurry. You people have never done that, right? We left quick. We had to get gone. A couple months later, they told us the same story. He hadn't talked to anybody. And he didn't recognize anybody. We walked back in. Should I say it again? The granddaughter and the stranger. He looks over at us and he says, Dan, did you tell somebody about Jesus in the hospital here? Wow. Conviction, conviction. About that time, a nurse walked in with all the burdens in the world. I mean, she was, you could see it all written over. Thank you, Lord. I take the Bible and I start talking to her. and Oh, she was hungry. She was hungry. And I start going through the Bible. And then I started chasing a rabbit. Uh, your, your pastor confessed to that this morning, that he chases rabbits too. <laughs> but I started chasing a rabbit, and he says, Dan, stick to the facts, stick to the facts. I'm being rebuked by the man that knows nothing, you know. She goes along, and she says, Lord, come into my heart and save me. As soon as she does that, he hits the table. He says, it is finished. She's going to heaven. Me and my wife left there. He never talked to anybody. He never recognized anybody the day after we left. That was it. But he had one thing on his mind. Jesus. What about you? The leading of God. The leading of God. What's God want with your life? The leading of God. The perfect will of God. What does God want in your life? His purpose. Obey. Obey. I pray that everyone that's here will listen and will consider and say, Lord, I want to have the leading of God in my life. Lord, I want to be in the perfect will of God. He said back there in Deuteronomy chapter 8, when he got to verse 7, this is what you could have if you obey the blessings of God. This is what you could have if you just remember God's goodness. How about it, Christian? How about it? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you should just take this message, Lord. Oh, Lord, just work in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that there's one here that doesn't know you, Savior. Even now, Lord, just convict that soul. Pray for the Christians, Lord. Oh, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you should just help them to realize, Lord, the blessings, the blessings of being in the perfect will of God. Letting God lead for your eyes on Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.